This past week, the earth suffered two great losses. While heaven held homecoming celebrations, Carmen, a courageous Christian musician with a passion for souls, and Rush Limbaugh, a courageous political commentator, both bid farewell to a life well lived on earth. My name is Joni Scott, and I am your host here today on Storming the Gates, as we are nearing the end of our series for such a time as this in the book of Esther. We'll be looking at lives well-lived and not so well-lived today in chapter 9 of Esther. Greetings, greetings, and welcome to everybody. Uh, As I was saying this past week, or suffered two losses. And I am very thankful to hear that Rush Limbaugh received the Lord just a year or so ago. I was a listener of his program, and I remember hearing him say once that there was only one way to live eternally, and that was through Jesus Christ and asking him into your life. I was shocked. The great Rush Limbaugh advocating for Jesus live on his radio program. I posted it on my Facebook page because I was so excited about that. But you know what? Is anyone's story ever completed? The battles we fight today in prayer are archived in people's hearts and in heaven forever. Furthermore, those battles won change the course of history, and they live on in the changes enacted by the prayers we prayed on earth. Think about that. In my last episode, entitled Expect the Unexpected, I sort of got off on a tangent There's something about being in a potentially tragic accident that does that to a soul. Because I found myself reviewing all I did leading up to that terrible crash on a lonely stretch of winding road a couple weeks back. And I concluded that God prepares us for things to come by nudging us to pray certain prayers, by teaching us in simple ways how to trust him when things don't go the way we want. And that way, we're prepared to trust him when there's a bigger loss. And like I said, the world saw a couple big losses this week. So in a way, our last episode focused on before a tragedy strikes. Today, we're going to focus on the after. We're going to look at the heritage of a life well-lived for the Lord and the terrible aftermath of lives lived for worldly gain. Be sure to connect with me on social media and the links provided in the show notes. When this series on Esther concludes, I plan to take time off podcasting to shore up my media presence and make my book available. So please subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts play. That way you can stay abreast or be prepared for the bright new future and next series of Storming the Gates. Well, meanwhile, once you open your Bible to Esther chapter 9, we're going to be starting at verse 2. So, in the story of Esther, after a season of fasting and prayer, as well as a year to prepare, or we could say pre-prayer, I like to pre-prayer before any major decision or event I'm involved in. The day has arrived when Haman planned to obliterate the people of God. And that's where we're at in verse 2. The Jews gathered themselves together in their cities throughout all the provinces of the king, Ahasuerus, to lay hand on such as sought their hurt. And no man could withstand them, for the fear of them 
fell upon all the people. Alrighty, so this verse too shows us that all throughout King Ahasuerus' kingdom, the Jews grouped themselves together. There was no lone wolf on that day. You're like, I'm with you guys. So many believers are unwilling to become part of the family of God through a church or fellowship. Yet this is one of the ways you will be prepared in the time of trouble. God has prepared a family for you, a church family. I know, like any family, they're imperfect. They can be annoying. It's full of sinners. But that is what family is, imperfect humans who gather to help one another grow and get through life. We fill each other's lack. God did not mean for you to run this race alone. It's like a marathon. You have a huge group with you. As you start out, they encourage, they support you, they egg you on. But only you can find it within yourself to keep going to the end. A good church family is there to the rescue with meals, hammer nails, car rides, whatever's needed. And you are to be there for them. So I cannot encourage you enough to find that group that you're supposed to be with to stand against all the evil plots of the enemy. All right, because he's out there and he's going to try and take you down. So it's a lot better to be in a group of believers. Moving on to verse three. All the rulers of the provinces and the lieutenants and the deputies and officers of the king helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. For this man Mordecai waxed greater and greater. So if you remember, God told Noah that all the animals of the earth would fear him. Being feared was a blessing. That meant Noah was the head and not the tail. If you look in the book of Acts chapter 5, we see the people outside of the church feared those within. Think about Ananias and Sapphira. They collapsed dead after lying to the apostles. That would put the fear of God in you. Acts 5 verse 13 and 14 tells us after that little incident, no one dared to join them. Yet, it says, more were added to the church daily. I assume that means that no one dared join them just for funsies. When you met a Christian in the book of Acts, you met the Spirit of God, and it caused one to tremble. Before that happens, it's important that we first stand up and be bold in our faith and witness. That is what happened with Mordecai. He would not bow to Haman, and God honored that. These are the sort of days that also call for courage. Courage like we saw when a lone radio voice spoke against the rising flood of totalitarianism coming into America. That voice, Rush Limbaugh's, changed so many hearts and minds. I always say Rush Limbaugh led my sister to the Lord because listening to him made her question everything she previously swallowed unquestioningly. Even the dynamics of the denominational church we grew up in. I also listened to Steve Turley, a conservative commentator, who said he was your basic liberal college student until he began listening to Rush. It changed him completely. Now he has a fantastic conservative news podcast called Turley Talks that's ranked in the top 10 news podcasts, and I highly recommend it. 
And then looking at Carmen, Carmen Lasciardello, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but he was a prominent Christian musician in the 90s. We only called him Carmen. That's why I don't remember how to say his last name. He was a full gospel preacher and a gangster rapper, kind of rolled into one. <laughs> we took a full busload of youth to a concert once, and I mean, it was transforming. It was so powerful. The kids and I acted out his song, The Resurrection Rap, more than once for Easter services. So you see, his well-lived life influenced me, and then I pass that influence on to a number of youth. Does that mean they're all going to remember him and his songs and lyrics? No, but it is still alive as a seed that germinated within them as they grew into their own adult walk with the Lord. What we do today lives on in the people we know and touch for good or unfortunately for evil, as we're going to see ahead. Let's move on to verse 5. Thus the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction and did what they would unto those that hated them. And in Shushan the palace, the Jews slew and destroyed 500 men and Parshandatha and Delphon, Aspathah, Paratha and Adalia and Eridatha and Parmashtah and Erisai and Eridai and Bajestha. You know what? The rule of thumb with saying Bible names that you don't know how to pronounce is just read them the way they spell them. Because what I've heard is that the way they spell them is designed to help us English speakers say them correctly. So I did my best. Same with Carmen's last name. Alrighty. The 10 sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, slew they, but on the spoil laid they not their hand. Okay, so here we see the final piece of Haman's legacy. It's destruction, death, and mayhem. He turned on God and God's people, and the man lost everything, even the heirs that he would have had. He's only remembered now as a snidely whiplash sort, a menacing, deceitful, and evil man. His evil deeds are relived each year as Jewish synagogues everywhere celebrate the Feast of Purim with skits and puppet shows outlining the events in the book of Esther. Going on to verse 11. On that day, the number of those that were slain in Sushan, the palace, was brought before the king. And the king said unto Esther the queen, The Jews have slain and destroyed five hundred men in Sushan, the palace, and the ten sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the king provinces? Now, what is thy petition, and it shall be granted thee? Or what is thy request further, and it shall be done? Then said Esther, If it please the king, let it be granted to the Jews which are in Sushan to do tomorrow also according to this day's decree, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. And the king commanded it to be done, and the decree was given at Shushan, and they hanged Haman's ten sons. For the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the fourteenth day also of the month Adar, and slew three hundred men at Shushan, but on the prey they laid not their hand. So, while Haman's legacy goes up in smoke, those who serve God see divine favor. The king asked Esther, what else can he do? And she asked for another day, and it's granted. You know what? So often we want to do a task good enough, or we want to rid most of the sin out of our life. But we hide a few things. 
like Aiken did under a rug in our tent. It's, it's just a little thing. Well, all through scripture, it's the little things people hang on to that cause great destruction. There was a song from the 90s by a band called Pray for Rain that sang, Gotta let go of the little things before they get you down. Gotta let go or they'll take you to the bottom and hold you down. It's a war we all face and compromise is the battleground. If you're ever going to grow, you gotta let go. That's why I'm impressed here that Esther didn't say, thanks, but you know, we're good. We're tired. No, she said, uh, uh-uh. let us complete this. We don't want to take any hostages. We don't want anyone left to sneak back in and cause us to stumble and fall. She wanted to finish her race well. She did her marathon and she didn't stop at mile 20. She went on to, I believe it's 23 miles for a marathon, right? Also notice the king sat home on his throne while his subjects battled it out. He provided all the assistance he could. He supported the battle. He equipped them. He counseled his own nobles to support them, but he did not do it for them. We have to fight our own battles, just like our king in heaven is at the ready with help and supplies, angels. But why should he hand his tools to us if we just look at him with a sloppy, stupefied face like, what? You want me to do this? Well, yes, he does. Go. Going means you have faith. And as you move out, God will be with you. Haman's family and heritage was obliterated instead of the Jews he had plotted to destroy. Mordecai, the man Haman hated, was given control of Haman's estate. Mordecai replaced Haman's prestigious position in the kingdom and is remembered with celebrations every year, even whatever it would be now, 3,000 years later. This may be a season for you of doing well in small and hidden ways. And you may be tempted to take a shortcut or quit standing in faith, give in to gossip, give in to grumbling, relax your stand against sin. Maybe for a season, the wicked appears to be prospering. Psalm 37 is a great one to read when you feel that way. It deals with this very subject. It is a chapter of encouragement to stay on the path of righteousness. It reminds us that the wicked will face the consequences. Verse 12 reminds me of Haman. It says, the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. And then God's response is verse 13. The Lord laughs at him for he knows his day is coming. God knows what's ahead. It's his mercy to all that causes it to tarry. And your day is coming too. You know, I've lived long enough to know God sees the faithful. Hold on. Your reward is coming. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are a God who sees. You're a God who hears. And you're a God who cares. You care deeply about the little things. It's actually in the little things that who we are is truly revealed. I ask you, Lord God, to give us the strength and the means and the way to cut away the little things that are pulling us down. Lord, um, cause us to rise up with strength and courage for the battles, Lord God, that you've brought into our house and to rely on you for all that we need to complete the task before us. That we have a good heritage, that we have a good God and a good Father who has good things in store 
would we remain faithful. Hallelujah and amen. God bless you. And we will see you again next week for such a time as this.